You ready? So I'm 19 years old using my mom's car and like a bunch of materials that I printed up and me just kind of regurgitating this speech that I've, uh, you know, practiced over and over. I'm going into people's houses that are the age of my parents with my little speech and my little clipboard and walking out with the control and the keys to their house. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. Let's go! Let's go. At Todd Capital, we believe business and investing are team sports. You know how we do. You know how we do. And this podcast is for those who want to turn their capital into generational legacy. This episode is brought to you by 24-7 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y. 47watches.com. Use code Todd Capital at checkout for a special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches. That's at T W E N T Y 47watches. Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Climb blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book Smartphone Millionaire: How to Lend to People real estate and businesses from the palm of your hand and if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure youtube earner and investor in multiple properties in multiple states i would love for you to join me over at the classy climb youtube channel yep and here are your hosts miss flipping and heels roshana scott and mr todd millionaire himself charles oglesby this is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast, episode 147. My name is Charles Oglesby, founder and director of the Todd Capital Investment Club with Ms. Freshana Scott, founder of Flippin' and Hills. How are you doing today, Ms. Freshana? I'm good. How are you? I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed. Uh, make sure you guys leave us a rating or review. We like five-star reviews and they, those help us move up in the rankings and we deserve to be high up in the rankings. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can hear the stories of successful examples. They exist. We also want people to learn that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have an internet superstar. He has been all over Instagram, all over Twitter. This guy is like going viral and he's kind of turned himself into a celebrity. His name is JD Buys Homes. He is a investor, wholesaler, realtor out of the Chicago area. So welcome to the show, man. Happy to be here. Rashana, how are you? Good. How are you? Um, I'm all right. I um, where, where are we started? What we got going on? Rashana only shows up for certain episodes, so consider yourself lucky. That's <laughs> not. That's not true. The, Charles, the universe. Doesn't, Charles doesn't tell me when he's recording certain episodes. He'll say, "Hey, we're about to record an interview in five minutes. You getting on?" <laughs> So that's how that goes. But typically how we start off um, every interview, we just say, hey, tell us uh, about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background, um, how you grew up, and we'll start from there. Right on. I uh, and, go, and going back to what she was saying, Charles, I, um, the universe, as I was saying, you know, while we're getting ready, the universe keeps making, uh, keeps trying to make myself and Rashana collide on, uh, you know, the various different things. Obviously, we're in the same industry. Um, so where do I begin? I uh, am in the real estate. Uh, obviously, um, I've become known for um, wholesaling, loan brokering, doing deals in and around, 
<coughs> excuse me, in and around the Chicagoland area. Uh, built, I guess, somewhat of a little name for myself um, on social media. Just trying to just engage with people the best as I can. Um, I guess to answer the question of going to my origins, uh, I am 31 years old. Um, I am from the south suburbs of Chicago, immediately right outside the city. Um, I've been around real estate my entire life. Uh, watched my dad, Rashawn, I've watched my dad do creative stuff and kind of like no money down type of creative investing. Um, when we lived on the west side, I've watched my dad like cash advance off of like credit cards and like buy fixer uppers, right? I've seen my parents always have like rental property and going to auctions and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff that you and I talk about, Rashawn, where you your, your cash out refis, your 75% refis, your stuff that, you know, where people can get in, your no money down stuff. Like I've, I've essentially been around that type of stuff my entire life. And even if not knowing all the terminology and all the, uh, you know, the jargon, you know, again, as a prime example, the kind of whole buy a house, you know, for a certain price, put a certain amount of work into it, refi out at 75%, you know, if not for all the jargon, I was familiar with that process at like nine, 10 years old. Um, so I've essentially been around this entire stuff my entire life. Uh, as time uh, progressed and I just became, you know, more focused as a young man on like what exactly I wanted to do besides like play basketball. Um, I kind of really honed in and focused in on this more. And, uh, you know, something I said to Charles on Twitter about his information that I'm digesting now, just through osmosis and obsession, it just kind of snowballed into what it is now. And uh, here I am talking to you guys. So, how has social media allowed you to kind of grow your business? Because I know you've been doing a lot of and kind of like, I guess you call it investing into your social media presence. So how has that impacted your business? Well, in short, um, me being an opinionated serial ranter, I finally found a positive outlet for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah man it's just kind of just you know putting together some thoughts and feelings and, and observations that you have from riding around and doing deals and interacting and dealing with people and now just you know placing things in spots where people can you know more people can see it and digest it right so it's gone you know much further than me just opening my eyes and just immediately just going at it at 5 a.m being next to my lady every day now i'm just kind of just <laughs> Uh, broaden the audience and, you know, try to, and gotten better over time and just trying to touch on key points that will um, resonate with people instead of just kind of spouting off what I think, me just being a little bit more thoughtful on, okay, what do people want to know about? What's my opinion on that? And how can I package that in a way that, again, that it'll, that it'll resonate with people? Um, so that's just really the aim every day, man. Like, it's just, you know, I'll, I'll end that by saying, it's still, I make light of it because I've kind of always been this way. I've always been opinionated. I've always been kind of, I guess, a somewhat of a different thinker. Um, and it, it, it still kind of has to hit me that like people are actually watching or paying attention to uh, or valuing what I say, right? Because it, you know better than anybody, like someone who's kind of got, who's a little bit to the left with it at times, or, you know, not necessarily going with the status quo, it doesn't always get like the strongest reception or the warmest reception from people. So the fact that like there's like people that are like hey i think that too and they're coming by the hundreds and thousands now it's still kind of new to me because it's usually yeah. between my friends and whatever it's usually one versus everybody so the fact that yeah. i finally have people now that agree with me it's like i'm still kind of getting used to that what do you got from Rashana? so um let's talk about real estate so what does that look like so 
I think one of the great things that you mentioned is that you were brought up in like the business, knowing and understanding, like you said, the language, the jargon, um, the acronyms, right? And it's so, so that that's one of the things that um, hangs a lot of people up. I know getting started, right? CMA, what is ARV? What is LTV? Um, but you were able to pick up on that early. So um, tell us about your early uh, stages of actually getting into real estate and, and starting and like that first deal. You know, what does all of that look like? Before he gets into that, I would say he's probably like the only person we've had on this show who came from it in that sense. Like he came deep from it. So I think that's kind of cool. Right. He has a unique perspective. For sure, guys. I am. Um, and even to qualify that even more uh, in the course that I just released, not that I'm plugging that, but what I want to emphasize before I even get into that. Is it's okay to plug what I, you got, man. I wouldn't. No, it's just represent. I remember stuff as I talk. Um, I, I don't want that for anybody who's going to watch this. I don't want that to discourage anyone because the fact of the matter is like with anything, like you're always going to have your exit velocity. You're always going to, it's going to be an uphill battle. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, even with your stuff, Charles, like once you understand the language and the jargon, then you can just kind of relate it to other things. So with that being said, like, yeah, I've been around it my entire life, but a lot of my progress has been made from like my mid twenties until now. Right. So to answer your question, Rashonda, so my start and my first deals are like the first things that I did to like actually monetize. So we can bring it all the way back to I'm yeah. How long do I want to make this story? Let's go fall of 2008. I'm 19 at the time. So I'm, you know, I get out of high school, uh, spring of 2007. I go off to school. I got no friends. I don't know anybody in my free time. I'm reading every book about real estate in the local branch of the library because I got nothing else going on. Fast forward, I get hurt. I'm playing ball down there. I come home. Spring of 2008, <clears throat> I come home. Rashawn, I go to college to do page. They have, it, it's, it's, it's a community college out there in DuPage. Um, they got real estate as a major there. Okay. So now my master plan on a pit stop here on my way to the league, I figure I'll just pick up like a real, I'll pick up some more knowledge about real estate. Um, also, also the, uh, the, uh, like the closest, I guess, big school that I just knew I was going to transfer to on the way to afterwards, have real estate as a major. Cool. I'll do real estate here. The salesperson's course is a part of the curriculum here. Boom. I knock out the class. Um, but the state had changed the legislation at the time from like the minimum age being 18 to, I believe like the minimum age having to be 21 in order to get your license. Um, so at the time I was 18 turning 19, boom, that falls through. So now I'm getting deeper into my off market you know, studying, okay, how can I still do real estate stuff if I can't become a real estate agent? Fast forward, I get another refund check from school in fall. I say, you know what? I'm going to do this bandit sign thing. I'm going to advertise and I'm going to look for people that are willing to like step away from their house, step away from their mortgage. They just want to like, you know, something that I could maybe like clean up via carpet and paint or something like that. And I'll just take one of those types of deals. Now, again, I'm on, I'm so much in my own bubble and so fresh and new and like I'm a neophyte at this time. I don't realize, again, I'll emphasize, this is the fall of 2008, I don't even realize that this is like the height of the housing crash, right? So I'm 19 years old using my mom's car and like a bunch of materials that I printed up and me just kind of regurgitating this speech that I've, you know, practiced over and over. I'm going into people's houses that are the age of my parents with my little speech and my little clipboard and walking out with the control and the keys to their house, right? So I'm putting together no money down deals off of bandit signs that I'm placing and I'm thinking it's all off 
off of my talent and my charm, not realizing that the economy is turning upside down. So from the fall of 2008 until the spring of 2009, until March of 2009, and I use that as a marker, I'd acquired like maybe five no money down deal, right? And I'm getting calls during the day off of my signs that I'm putting out and I'll date myself here a little bit. This is, I was getting so many calls during the day. I was, cause we're in the middle of a crash. I'm getting so many calls during the day. I'm not even returning phone calls until 7 p.m. cause we didn't have unlimited clients. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting till 7 p.m. to return these 30, 40 phone calls. So from fall of 2008 to spring of 2009, I'd put together like five cash flowing properties and I didn't even have my own car yet. Right. I'm just kind of just doing it off the muscle. So that's a that's a synopsis to, to my beginning there. Just kind of just really just stuff I'd read off the Internet. No courses, no real mentor, just stuff that I read. And, you know, one statement that I toss that I toss out there all the time and I'll end this here is that innovation is born out of necessity. So me being shut down from being an agent, me not having a lot of money, me not having, you know, things that I have access to now, credit cards and loans and connections and people who are just like, yo, this is the only thing that I could do. So I'm just going to go hard at this. And I say March of 2009 because uh, from, like I said, from that time, from fall of 2008 until March of 2009, I, I, at that point, I'd acquired my fifth uh, no money down cash flow rental. I didn't turn 20 until April of 2009. So I think what's interesting is it kind of speaks to a principle that I've been talking about is like, even if you come from it, you still got to start from zero. So it's like, yeah, your parents are doing real estate. Yeah. Your parents have a lot of money, but you still had to go back and read all those books. You had to go back and put the bandit signs out. You had to go back and put the work in and show up and, and present yourself. And a lot of people think that people who have been given or who appear to have been given things have an edge up on you, but they all got to start from zero too. I had to start from zero. I had to build my own thing. And so it kind of evens the playing field where people think it's not even. But what I wanted to ask you about is what happened with those properties as we go into 2009 and the market starts to kind of, I guess, capitulate. Then what happens there? So, you know, at 19, I had at 18, I had it all figured out. So like now this whole this whole deal, we're like, OK, well, yeah, I'll just sign like a master lease of the house and then I'll just like refinance it in my name, even though I have like any in, any income. I'll just like figure it out. I'll just refinance it in my name and then I'll just sell it off to like who I rented it from and then everything's going to be awesome. Also, you know, Charles, you being a landlord and a property owner yourself, like, you know, awesome. you're never you're, you're never going to run into like because I, I have a, a, like a habit and a fortune in life of like having really strong exit velocity where like everything's awesome and lit in the beginning. And I don't run into the problems of volume until I have a lot of it. Right. So I didn't even start running into real landlord problems until I had like four properties. Right. Mm. So the combination of that and then like just impossible deals for me to execute. Um, I ended up letting like a couple of those, a couple of those properties go. A couple of those people just kind of just ended their lease. I just cash flowed them on them for a year. And then I just ended up just kind of just giving it back to the, the owner. But then one of them I ended up keeping for this is now 2020. Uh, that that last property from that run i ended up keeping from then until now and because i acquired it because the i acquired it the seller had the owner had just refinanced it in uh into a loan into a term that seems ridiculous by today's standards um so long story short a bunch of principal from then until now hasn't really been paid down because it was a it was a fresh uh fresh refile when i acquired it so now we're doing a property that i've had that last property from that run that i've had since march 2009 we're doing a short sale on it now um so i cash flowed on that one for 11 years and now we're selling that one off um and picked up another cash buyer in the process i have two questions the first is can you tell us what exit velocity is you've used that term twice also 
What did those deals look like? So you're saying no money down was just a wrap? Was this, did you just like take a subject to? Was it a, a lease option? Can you talk to us about the details of those deals? Certainly, man. So exit velocity is just, okay, let's go with some D&D. How do, how do calls come through on D&D? It's insane. If they're, <laughs> if they're on your favorites list. Mm. Scam likely is not on my favorite list. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so the term exit velocity <coughs> is like with like, airplanes or like rocket ships, the amount of force that they have to generate in order to leave the atmosphere of the earth. So just like how much you got to like really do a lot just to get off the ground. Um, that's yeah. a term that, you know, I kind of toss out there. Not I like understand. it. Uh, so yeah, just how much you just kind of got to, you know, kind of like your running start, right? To simplify right. your running start that you have to, you know, gather up in order to really get into a good groove. Um, that initial phase, that initial phase. Uh, so now the second part of that question is what do those deals look like? Um, glad that you asked. So what I was doing in the beginning was sandwich lease options. So I'd lock stuff up. I remember all like the addresses and almost like the exact mortgages. I'd lock stuff up at the exact amount of the mortgage. And then I'd go in and at the time I'd visually look around and realize, okay, is this something where I can like rent the rug doctor and clean the carpet, even though it never really even cleaned the carpet that good. I just maybe put the best patterns that I could on the carpet, paint some <laughs> stuff and just kind of do some minor repairs that I figured out that I knew how to do. And then re-rent this thing for profit. So I would lock it up at the mortgage amount. And I want to say the first one was that Markham property. So my first deal was a renovated home. I got renovated the property. Didn't want to be a landlord. Um, I go over there, talk my talk. I put a master lease on the property and the PITI, Principal Interest Taxes Insurance, aka the mortgage, was $1,000 flat per month. The guy hands me the keys, obviously, you know, documents with the control of the property. And he hands me a list of people. He doesn't want to be a landlord. He hands me a, <coughs> excuse me, he hands me a list of people that are interested in renting the property. Then the third people, the, the, the third couple that came to the property to view it or uh, rent it out from me for $1,500, $500 cash flow. I'm nice. like, okay, yeah, I, I can get with this. Now, again, this is this is fall 2008. Um, so yeah, what I did was I put a lease on the property for my monthly lease amount being what was owed on the property, which was that thousand dollars per month or whatever the mortgage was. I would then put a, a secondary lease, a sublease on top of the property for who I was for, for whoever I was renting to um for spread right so that first one was a 500 dollars cash flow and i just continue to do those for the biggest numbers possible i think uh my smallest cash flow was like 200 bucks it's like 200 bucks like a thousand dollar mortgage no 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 no, no. 300 bucks 800 mortgage 1100 rent so i just kept doing this over and over and over oh, i think what's cool about that is that a lot of times we talk about ownership and ownership is dope but control is also pretty dope too <laughs> So, so did you get um, did you get your parents involved at all in any of your beginning deals? Like, how did you know even um, like I know you say you you understood the language, but even um, you know understanding how to write up a contract and things like that, or did you just get like your attorney involved? Was it like a family attorney? <clears throat> Very glad you asked, Rashana. Going back to one of your original questions and me like coming up in it. So again, through osmosis and just being around it, took an interest in it, but I want to touch on this just to kind of encourage others. It's, it's, this absolutely is the furthest from like a silver spoon or like lineage type deal. Cause I also add this in, not necessarily to shave my parents. I've always been around it, but it was never, never any kind of deal as far as like, hey son, you're gonna take over the family business. My parents were still working jobs, like, you know, regular middle-class people, right? So that being said, to be quite honest, Rashana, outside of, 
conversations on what I had going on and what I was doing, there were as far as I so it, there were moments where like the physical cleaning of a property, I got my parents involved in like maybe like once or twice, but in all of this stuff that I had going on in my origins, it was never it was the furthest thing from this is our son taking over the family business and we're gonna sit down and family dinner uh, family dinner and, and and discuss it. It was nothing like that, right? So I don't want to. <laughs> and again, like I said, it's, that's not shading my parents, but it was kind of me just kind of like doing my own thing and reporting back and letting them know what I had uh, going on. But it was, it, it, you know, to, like I said, to encourage others, it wasn't like, oh man, when this kid really came up in real estate, it, it was nothing like that. So it was really just my own obsession with that and then being able to relate to my parents on that level. Um, and there was a little help here and there. There was leftover tools. There were things at the house that I could borrow, but it was the furthest thing from like getting a real big boost up, right? Like I made a lot of this happen off of like my little refund checks that I had. Hey ladies, this is your co-host, Rashana Scott. And are you looking for a community of women real estate investors? If so, I want to take a quick second to share with you Infinity Membership. Sorry, fellas, but Infinity Membership is a women's only online community for newbie and experienced investors. Come let your hair down and join a non-judgment zone sisterhood where all of your questions about investing in real estate get answered. This is also an opportunity to learn from the best of the best. Other seasoned and successful women in the industry share their success tips often. Our live group sessions are twice a month and we support each other daily within our private Facebook group. Our sessions range from driving for dollars to working with contractors to out-of-state investing, raising private capital, marketing your deals, and so much more. Does this sound like something that you've been looking for? Well, we would love to have you. For more information, visit us at bit.ly forward slash infinity membership. Again, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash infinity membership. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Like a lot of times, even if parents don't really give you anything, at least they give you the confidence of knowing that it's possible because that's important. A lot of times, a lot of us will get out there and somebody will say, well, you can't rent homes or you can't buy property. It's expensive. You have maintenance. You have all these different things. But if you've seen your parents work through it in real life and you've seen the behind the scenes, that is kind of worth the support. It's like you've kind of gotten that that backbone from them. So that's dope. Con conversely, I will to add to that. Conversely, I will now as an adult, and there's a lot of you'll understand when you get older, they get, they get tossed to you as a kid. I absolutely credit my parents for really letting me do my thing, right? So I didn't have like the strictest upbringing at all. Like I wasn't like, you know, out here just, you know, doing anything wild, but I was allowed to, and I don't, you know, that's just kind of in their nature, but I was allowed to kind of tinker around with different things. Like I was, to, and to be fair, to be more clear, I was never really discouraged from doing doing anything right mm -hmm. i was never so adding to your point charles where it's like 
you know, being exposed to things. And then just, especially in those very uh, influential stages, I think that can almost be traumatic to a kid where it's just like, no, you got to do it this way or you can't do this. It was never, on, like I said, on the flip side, it was never really any of that in my household. Like, and I joke with people all the time, like, especially like with my mom, if I wanted to run away and join the circus, I'm not sure if my mom would stop. <laughs> like, it just, I just happened to fall into what they were doing. But yeah, I wasn't really shut down from a lot of things as a kid. Nice. So fast forward to um, today, what is uh, like the majority makeup of your business look like? Like, are you doing more wholesaling? Are you doing more um, buy and hold? Are you doing some flipping? All of the above. So Rashawn, I've taken a step back. I've taken a step back momentarily from wholesaling just because you know better than all of us. Um, it's a grind within itself. Um, I it, it will continue to have a place in my business um, as a part of a larger a larger ecosystem that I'm that I'm designing for myself as far as like further client relations. I think all of the things that can come from providing people great deals, if I can attach myself to multiple things from that moving forward, is something that I'd be inter- interested in. But on its face, just strictly going through public records, putting out signs, taking the calls. And, you know, there was one point in time, especially in, you know, some some parts where you and I have crossed paths, there was a point in time where I was dead set on becoming the world's greatest wholesaler. Not so much now. <laughs> you know, I'll let Max do his thing. Um, Max Maxwell, for anybody who doesn't know who that is. Um, I got a couple of rentals that I'm liquidating now. Um, I've got my money tied up in something that was going to be a flip that, you know, we were going to go ahead and put the rehab loan together on and then COVID happened and now everybody wants to make Cook County their, their punching bag. So it's a combination of it all. Uh, I also broker loans. I also broker loans. And to be honest, I actually started doing that and a lot of my advertising and a lot of my social media presence growing strictly at the time, strictly for the purposes of making my wholesaling and deal procuring easier. And as it developed, I realized that the reach of this and the possibilities of this um, had a little bit more, could have a little bit more effect than that. So I got a few rentals that I'm that like, I'm glad you asked that. That property in Chicago Heights, that's mild. The one you brought your client to? I go to a lot of houses. I don't know. Yeah. She's a beast. So <laughs> yeah, a- you were, you, you have a, a flip on the market and Rashana took her clients to your flip. Yeah, yeah, Which, that's mine. What, what house? The one, the, one on, the one on Elmwood in the HS School District. Can we talk about the numbers on that one? Yeah, I mean, what, purchase, rehab, sale price? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, long story short, bought it, for, bought it for 45 grand. Bought it for 45 grand. No, no, I'm sorry, I got the numbers wrong. Bought it for 75 grand, um, 75.5. Came with a new roof, came with a new AC. Rehab was 45 grand. Put a lease option tenant put a lease option tenant in it. Um, he gave me an option fee up front. Um, he's kept the house in great condition. He hasn't been the most pleasant person to deal with, but I've cash flowed on the house. I think I know which one you're talking about now. There's still a yeah. tenant in there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he should be going right now. I'll figure that out after this call. But uh, yeah, that's my house. Um, so why a lease option? At the time, I th- so it, it started off, it was going to be a flip. And by the time that I finished it, so the major, major, the major thing that's going on in that section of that town, Charles, is that it's it's essentially a value play. So you can get a renovated house in that neighborhood for 100, and, 100 at the time, 155, but like now like 160 to 170 grand, right? But the 
kids in that section of that town go to the schools, the high school, the high school and the and the junior high and middle schools of like the more affluent suburbs nearby. Right. So it's a small section of this town that goes to essentially the quote unquote better high schools. So now and like this is this is a renowned high school where people are like lying on their 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 residency in order to get their kids inside, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So that being said, you can, you can get a house for a thousand, eleven hundred bucks per month. Uh, you know, like I said, total price of around one hundred sixty five grand. Where you know your nearby suburbs, where majority of those kids go to these schools, that house is costing one and a half to two times as much, right? So every house that goes for rent or for sale over in that area, that's the first, second, and third thing that's mentioned. Yeah. Such and such school district, such and such school district. I said all that to say this: I started the house off as a flip. By the time that I finished the house, the school had already started, right? So the Besides the fact that it was, um, you know, a beautiful home and everything was brand new, the number one attraction to the area, you know, was kind of dwindling because kids were already in school. I didn't want to chance it. And then a couple of things overran on budget. I bought it for 75. I put 45 into it. So I still, you know, between, you know, selling it through a realtor and fees and, you know, the loan fees and whatnot, I figured, okay, let me go ahead and cash flow this thing and then sell it. So I got an option payment down. Uh, uh, I got an option payment up front. Uh, I received rent every month of up until from now until then and now i'm gonna and now it's probably gonna appraise it higher than what i thought it was gonna appraise when i when i first got it so now it allowed me to like i said make two years of cash flow plus still sell it at that top arv because for everything that hasn't has not gone right with the tenant in here he's kept it in essentially showing condition since he's lived there right so it's essentially at this point it's essentially a staged home that i've made money off of for two years and the, and i was still so while doing that one and acquiring a couple of other properties um in that process i've also sold like since that one i've also sold like two dozen properties since then off market right so wow. there's a ton of things that i've learned <clears throat> in the gamesmanship of doing deals dealing with lawyers dealing with title companies lead generation etc so i want to liquidate this one and another one to now take my capital and then put it into some situations that I've, you know, kind of thought up and, you know, created in my mind since then. So I really just kind of wanted my games a little bit sharper now um, from the last time I tied my money up into a couple of things. And I'm just kind of anxious to show what I got now and move forward. So in these deals, are you using hard money, private money, or just regular bank financing? So excellent question. So on this particular property that uh, Rashawn and I crossed paths on, um, had a hard money loan on that one. Had a hard money loan on that one. Um, I've got a hard money loan on another one that's set to close probably around the same time as uh, on that one. Uh, and interest rates now, well, pre-COVID, uh, were better than from when I started. So I'm looking to get those two loans off of the books. Um, and then, like I said, just my knowledge that has deepened and my relationships that have deepened within that world. Because I kind <clears throat> excuse me, I came into that two years back as more on the consumer end. And now I'm a guy that can call in and I don't want to say necessarily make some things happen, but I'm a guy that can call in and just kind of just, again, know the jargon, know the terminology, and then just kind of just put things a little bit more on the table and say, okay, what do we got here? This is what we're working with. And again, I've got people, I now am in a position to line people up in order to get financing so that they can do, <clears throat> excuse me, so they can do some more of the same thing. So there's hard money on those. I'm not the biggest fan of bank financing just because of your ability to scale for your primary residence, absolutely. But for your investment properties, and the way that uh, rates were prior to COVID, your differences in points were, your differences in rates were absolutely minimal, right? You could get stuff as low as, you could get stuff, you know, not even a point different, you know, as far as on a commercial or hard money long-term loan, um, as opposed to what you'd be able to get from like a bank or a credit union. Um, so that's that. Gotcha. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. 
seminar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Hi, how are you? I am Andre C. Hatchett, 15-year mobile notary pioneer and veteran. We have created the Notary Business School, which will show you how to start a successful, long-term, needed business as a mobile notary public. Well, with 15 years of experience and with different downturns in the economy, we have labeled this business as being recession-proof, meaning that you can run this business in any climate, any city, any state in America. On average, our students make between $60 and $250 per appointment, which usually takes under an hour. I'll say that again. On average, our students usually make between $60 and $250 per appointment as a mobile notary public. If you would like to enroll and save a few dollars, go to the website, millinotarypromo.com. That is millinotarypromo.com. Look forward to seeing you in class. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, um, yes, a lot of things have changed, like you said, as far as uh, financing and terms pre-COVID to now. So what do um, your terms look like with the loans that you broker? Oh, well, right now, you know, you know, some of the more popular people here in town, Rashawn, a lot of them just straight up just not like what do they look like today or what were they looking like immediately prior to COVID? Today. Today, I think, especially here in Cook County. So I think, I think I talked to Mark. I think Lima's completely shut down for now. I want to Temple View for sure is shut down for now. Uh, I think, well, you know what? I'm helping my brother do a refi when he's got a property. He's got a, he's got a two flat in North Lawndale and RCN is giving him 55% of ARV. And I got another lender on the line right now where I'm trying to, I think I've got a lender right now that I'm working with that's giving 75% of ARV, but they've kind of got some funky terms or they've got some pretty high minimum, right? So a lot of that stuff before we could buy a building for 40 grand, pump a hundred grand into it, it appraises out at 240, 250. They won't do that type of stuff, but I'm working on something right now. Well, I'm working on something right now where we can possibly you know, usher some 75% stuff back into the fold. But right now, Rashawn, it's ugly. You know, you got a lot of like 12 months, 12 months escrowed up front of, you know, people 45%, 50%, 55%. None of the stuff that we were getting 90 days ago where you could roll out of bed. I think Lima was doing 85%. They were doing 80% ARV on refis. Like I still have some of those same emails. So yes, yes, Charles, like it's maybe out there, you know, some of your higher ticket stuff, they're willing to probably still play a little ball. But here in Cook County, because of the rule, like the, I guess the judicial rules of, as far as like foreclosures and the, the, I guess we have like one of the highest foreclosure rates in the country, like where everybody's punching bag, like everybody's kind of throwing out like insulting ter- terms right now to the point where like what you'd have to do in order to qualify for a hard money loan here in Chicago, you, you wouldn't even need the freaking loan, you know, with the, with what you'd have to come to the table with. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's almost insulting some of the stuff that they're throwing out now. It's like, you guys might as well just say that you're shut down. Just say you don't want to do the loan. <laughs> So have you guys seen uh, foreclosure rates kind of tick up since the coronavirus hit? No, I haven't. Um, I'm sorry. Was that for me or? That's just an open question. Okay. You are ex- no. You are such- <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, and I don't think we're going to see the effects that soon anyway. 
um, you know, due to a lot of loans being in forbearance, and then also understanding the foreclosure timeline. Um, you know, the houses actually have to go through a timeline and a process before they are actually foreclosed on. So we're we're talking about a year or two years down the line before we see the effects. That's like in the previous crash, right? And the crash really actually started in the spring of 07. But by the, you know, the fall of 09, like the economy was shit. So, you know, it, yeah. it kind of takes, you know, from the moment that it starts, it definitely takes some time. Um, so, you know, with a lot of investors talking about like the fire sale, the fire sale, like it's not right now, but you know, if, if your plan is to go after foreclosures, then, you know, I would say, I would say it's coming. Yeah, yeah man, I um, totally agree. You know, again, especially here with the timelines that even just the, the legal process and the snowball that has to take effect, like, again, we're just now hitting June tomorrow. So like, you know, our official lockdown didn't happen to what March 20th, 21st. So like, you know, and this is something that I put in my course as well, like, you know, a, a legal, like the legal proceedings of a foreclosure usually aren't even filed until at minimum three months, right? Because again, we got to remember as much money that they have, like it still costs them money, legal fees and hiring out firms or whatnot to even just, you know, start those proceedings, never mind the actual court calls. So like, you're never going to see a foreclosure filing after one missed payment. Like it just ain't worth the money or the time. Um, so that being said, Charles, man, yeah, like there's just absolutely what Rashana said. There's just absolutely no way to see any kind of trends at now. What are we looking at? We're 60 days from our lockdown. We're 60 days from, from our original lockdown, maybe 70 something day. So we, we probably from conversation wise and marketing wise, you'll probably from layoffs and people, you know, not really being able to survive up the Corona check and whatnot. We probably from a lead generation standpoint, uh, be able to get into some conversations where people kind of want to get out before this, the, the, the ship sinks. But yeah, there's no way to, you know, anybody who's drawing doomsday scenarios right now, is just irresponsible when it's just clickbait because there's absolutely no way to know that type of stuff so um at earliest at earliest you'll probably start seeing any uptick at all maybe the end of q4 this year but yeah man it's probably going to be like next spring where you're starting to see stuff but you know we'll see we'll see i haven't seen anything like i said i will say that in california we've seen a lot of homes come on market not like and they're all lowering their prices i see a lot of price decrease emails like a ton of homes are hitting the market but they're still kind of optimistic they're still hoping to get, even if they're not getting top dollar, they're hoping to get a good, good price for the property. Mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah. And I I'm, think that, that's, and that's a great observation. I think the conversation around the housing market as it relates to COVID is, is also per market too, right? Because we know that California is just, a, you know, one of the most expensive markets in the country, you know? So we right. just know that. But like, for example, in Chicago, it is actually, it's, it's, it's still a seller's market because there's actually more buyers in the market than there are sellers. You know, a lot of people are asking like, where's all the inventory or the good inventory or the quality inventory. And then sellers had the opportunity to take their homes off the market due to COVID. You know, some of them are like, well, I don't have to sell right now. I'll wait till this thing blows over. I don't want people in my house, you know, that sort of thing. So Mm. it's definitely, I would say it's definitely per market. Um, Yeah. 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 Oh, and, and, and to add to what Roshana was saying, man, like, you know, some of the, like, the ads that I run or, you know, things that I post, like, you know, California and, you know, some of your coastal cities, but especially LA, the Bay, uh, being their own thing, they, 
you guys can't you guys can't resist letting letting people like me know that every chance every chance that you can because <laughs> apparently according to our West Coasters no livable home could ever be under half a million dollars like yeah. they can't stop letting me know that like give me a break man yeah so can you talk to us about what your most successful deal was successful deal we're gonna count it by dollars and cents let's go with. Let's go with a property in a super gentrifying zip code here on the south side of Chicago, Woodlawn, Rashana, you're familiar. Let's go with uh, 6511 Evans Avenue. Let's go with a uh, super gentrifying area, Greystone, two-family building. Uh, okay, let's not make this story super long. Uh, I skip trace owner, right? We find properties right down the address. We find out who owns the property. Uh, what made this one super fun is that the owner of this property had a, had a super common name and we're in the third biggest city in the country. So that was really fun trying to find this guy's phone number, right? Uh, furthermore, not only did he have a super common name, he's um, lineage. So he's the third, his son is the fourth, dad, junior, granddad, grand, granddad is, is the first. So I looked up the numbers on this thing, water bill, taxes, um, other liens and whatnot. And I went through my normal channels of trying to find uh trying to find this guy. I ended up partnering with some people to increase my capabilities on skip tracing. And I found a working phone number for this guy within the first five minutes of me getting on the phone with him. For me talking to so many people and kind of just, you know, noticing inflection and personality profile, I knew this one was, was a home run, right? So uh, long story short, we discuss numbers and details over the phone. We meet up at a Starbucks a couple of days later, we get this thing under contract. Now, this one was my biggest check to date on an off market deal, but I'm proudest of myself for getting this deal done because there was every reason in the world to walk away from this deal. There was every reason in the world to let this deal go, including who I was partnered with on this deal, tried their hardest to walk away from this deal. But long story short, man, we locked it up at 46 grand. We sold it off at 71 grand. We made 25 grand on it. Um, we sold it to someone who was essentially in-house on our team, right? So myself and my partner on the deal uh, made money on the deal. Uh, the owner got rid of what was a headache and an albatross and an eyesore and just, you know, a complete like anchor on him. We sold it to someone who's now going to do, who's now finishing up a hell of a renovation. And he bought it from us at 71. I want to say the renovation is going to be around a buck 50 and the front end appraisal came in at 430, right? So everyone on our team benefited. The owner benefited. We made a big check. And uh, yeah, that's that. 6511 Evans Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60637. Coming to the market. So compass wheels. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, the most successful. Uh, successful deal financially, but even if you have one, you know, a deal that you're most proud of. But if that was it too, that's cool. The hell that we went through getting that one closed, Rashana, I, I gotta pat myself on the back for that one because everybody but me wanted to kill that deal. And I think of, you know, uh, a um a crowning moment in that whole deal. Um Long story short, we found out about city violations on that property late in the process, right? We found out and there ended up being like 98 grand, like 98 grand in city violations on the property that we didn't know anything. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Unrecorded. No, no, un because I always look at the recorder of these, Rashonda. A bunch of liens in city violations that were not recorded and did not come on, on the title search. So watch this. 
set three, I'll never forget where I was at, three days before closing, I'm going down Lakeshore passing Soldier Field. Our lawyer who worked his ass off on this deal, we, we gave him a $5,000 bonus. Our lawyer on this deal calls me and lets me know, because I think from that 98, they initially said that they were going to take like 50%, 49. And at that point, the reason why we ended up selling at 71 is because we were just going to like walk on the deal. We were just going to break even on the deal. Well, we had invested, earned this money. We did a little cleanup of the property prior to selling it, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, lawyer calls me as I'm passing Soldier Field on Lakeshore three days before closing and says that he got that 49, which is half of that 98. He got that 49 down to 14, three days before the deal. We turned what was going to be a $0 profit to a $25,000 profit three days before closing. Well, I didn't, he did. But I'm the only one that wanted to keep this deal going. Um, So from everything that we went through and the amount of money that we made, that's a fist bump. So... <clears throat> You, you found the deal wholesale, you found it, you sold it to the flipper, and then you're going to list the property? So I found I found the deal wholesale. I sold it to a guy who's actually a broker and a GC at my buddy's realty, right? So we sold it in-house. We sold it in-house. Uh, and the guy who's running, who's, who, who's doing the rehab now is also a broker there as well. So he's going to list it, right? So we made our money on the front end. Seller got rid of a problem. Somebody on the team got a great project. Um, and then he's going to get, obviously, you know, a great flip and, you know, the listing with it as well. So literally everyone within our ecosystem benefited from this. It's not like I found the deal, sold it to somebody else, don't know anything right. about the property moving forward. We made money on the front end. Somebody on our team, you know, got it. And now everybody's going to benefit from this thing. And then we're going to put another, I'm, look, to end this, that end of that block and this rapidly gentrifying area between ours that we sold him, the one next door that was being worked on when we got ours, one across the street that, you know, was beginning stages of being worked on, but now it's completely like they're adding new stuff to it now we like kind of started the, the the snowball of like one end of what was a shady looking block when we came up on it and now it's like it's really because there's a divide line in that zip code and we're a block off of that dividing line so now a lot of the action is coming our way on that particular block so there's a few things that i take from this episode and the first is that like real estate is powerful because so many people can eat off of one deal uh -huh. So what I was also going to say is that one thing that I heard in your story is like you had a deal that was supposed to look like a flip and then it turned into a lease option. And then two years later becomes an actual, I guess, flip, if you if you will. And I think that was dope about that is like you can't really approach every deal with one exit strategy. And what also I take from that is that you don't stop doing real estate. So a lot of people, they're kind of backing off from real estate right now. And they're like, let me just see what happens with coronavirus stuff. And they're just waiting. Mm -hmm. So I know you got to keep going after you got to stay in the market. You got to stay finding deals. Just knowing that your exit might look a little bit different, but as long as you do it responsibly, you should still come out. Okay. Um, there are some tweets that I wanted you to talk about just really, really briefly. And then we're going to wrap. Um, and the first one was on gentrification. You have a unique take on gentrification, and I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but like you were taking a lot of really common things that people use to attack gentrification. You're saying like, no, it's actually this. So you were saying like, hey, they're kicking us out of our neighborhoods. And you're also saying, hey, they don't want us here. Um, can you talk about those? Sure. And I'll try my best to keep it short. I... Um uh, so they don't want us here. Okay, whether that's true or not, right? So like racism's got different colors on all sides, but the one at the top of it is green, right? So you ride through your different neighborhood, you'll notice that some neighborhoods have like more nail salons and currency exchanges and like 
uh, chicken and fish spots and like other places don't have that. So as much as certain people may or may not like you for whatever reason, they're never going to stop you from spending your money, right? Like we're just kind of past that part where we're not going to let people spend money places, at least in my experiences. So that being said, um, you know, the whole they don't want us here, they're trying to kick us out. Mm, you know, here's the deal when we're talking about ownership and control in the situation or just having a little bit more say so. If we aren't a part of the infrastructure, you know, like I said, our barbershops, our beauty salons, our, you know, all of these places that, you know, our clothing stores or whatever that we'd like to frequent. You know, when when we've got our foot planted in the infrastructure of what's going on, now we got a little bit more say so economically and politically. So, you know, gentrification, everybody thinks that like and I don't want to overgeneralize here, but, you know, it's always looked at, you know, from like one side of the coin, you know, within our community, because we're usually on the short end of the stick. So, yeah, the image of grandma or or granddaddy getting, I guess, put out or kicked out of the houses, you know, is a little heart wrenching. But the fact of the matter is, look, when we move from the when we move from the west side to the south suburbs like i grew up in one of these types of situations when we all know it like when grandma died when granddaddy died don't nobody want to step up everybody want to go different ways don't nobody want to pay for no bills don't nobody want to you know kind of hold down the fort a little bit so what happens the house gets you know becomes vacant bills start to pile up and then next thing you know after months and months and months and years and years and years somebody who actually values the situation who may or may not look like us will come along and say hey we'll, we'll approach whoever has control of this situation and say, hey, I'll give you X, Y, Z for this beat up building, broken windows. I know you don't want to deal with this. I'll give you, I'll give you this sum of money and then you can walk away clean from this situation. Again, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I like to think that there aren't very many people, especially in Chicago, that deal with as many situations like this as I do, right? So it's the same story over and over and over. Mom died, grandma died, whatever the case may be. Everybody went their separate ways and now somebody's kind of stuck footing the bill, having to pay the tax bill or whatever. So now when, you know, Again, to, to, to end this, you know, we see the visuals of the bike lanes and people jogging in the coffee shop. But the fact of the matter is, like, there has to be an ownership interest in that first in order for that to even start, right? They're not coming in from that angle. So they'll buy up this block or they'll buy up, buy up these parcels or these pieces of land and then knock them down and then build up things and then like slowly infiltrate. Right. So if we don't take an interest in having control of what's going on in the neighborhood, you know, where where do we draw the line on how much we're going to complain about change that we ain't really trying to be a part of a lot of times? Yeah. The other tweet that you had was um, that whole you won't always be motivated to learn to be disciplined meme that's been circulating, been hitting me different. You said I be needing a little rage and I'll show them to get through my day. Y'all stop underdog shaming, man. Let us be. Yeah, man. So, you know, like I said, I, I, I always, and you know, like as you, you know, kind of got to know me on social media a little bit more, man, like I'm a big jokester and I just kind of just deal with everything with humor. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, there's a little truth to every joke. The fact of the matter is, you know, I, I got a little, me personally, I'm, you know, I can, I'm sure you can, uh, you know, relate a little bit, you know, that whole, you're not always going to be motivated. So you need to learn how to be disciplined. That's cool. But like, you know, some days I wake up and it's just like FDs, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that, that's me. Like that, that I, I need that to kind of get through my day. I got some scores to settle, right? I got some goals to accomplish. I got some scores to settle. So, you know, for those of us that need a little, that need a little self-motivation, man, y'all I gotta lay off us, man. We, you know, hey, look, Michael Jordan was that way too. Sometimes, bro, he would just make up stuff to get through it. So, you know, y'all, y'all gotta stop putting us down. Some of us need to look. Some of us need to pour all gas on the fire. Sometimes, I'm 100 percent that way. Uh, Rashana, do you have any of that in you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Every day, <laughs> yeah. When you when you out here in the jungle, you know, so you gonna you gonna get some days like that. 
and, and Rashawn, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna add to that. You know where we at, especially on the south side, or west side. You know, you sometimes I got to give myself a pep talk before I go in, into some of these buildings. This ain't Naperville. Like I'm in North Lawndale, I'm in West Garfield, I'm in Inglewood every other day. I own the house in Harbor Gresham, right? So it's like some. And, and looking back on as I'm taking a step back, because part of it is I'm gonna be honest, man, like part of me taking a step back and wanting to scale and get some people in place to do some things. My luck of going in a lot of these places and nothing happening to me, I'm not gonna keep on thinking that. It's it's gonna continue that way, right? So the worst thing I've ever seen is a dead dog, dead cat. You may run into some live people that happen to live there, right? But we didn't heard some of the stories. So it was just like, that. that's a small part of the pie chart on me thinking, all right, let me kind of get a little bit more efficient at this because my exuberance and me just feeling like I could just do everything, this ain't gonna keep happening like this, right? You know, in the areas that I'm dealing in, but no, nah, that's that's all kind of wrapped up in that. Like, is is I done had to take a couple of deep breaths before I done went into some of these buildings. Like, well, shit, I'm here now. <laughs> you know, so that's that. Last tweet is, oh, should I ask that one? I'm a not, I'm an avid non-believer in the whole customers always right thing. How much time you got? No, nah, I um. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, it's 2020, guys. We 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 got to move that one along. So. You know, and some of the things and some of the services that we all offer, you sell a course and I'm selling a course. I do credit repair. I got some loan stuff going on. I'm selling house, right? You know, especially with social media and people getting a little chesty behind the computer screens or the phone, you know, like I even break it, break it down to a simplest term, like whether it's raising the prices on something or whether it be, you know, some of the scenes that we maybe some of the more unbecoming scenes that we may see like fast food places. You know, I tell my girl all the time, like as, as an analogy, like even at like McDonald's, like let's say I had one or I own one, you can have your five dollars back. Right. right. Like I'm I'm not I'm not you some customers not worth some some customers not worth that three fifty for them for them two fries and that nugget that you order. You can have yours back, right? You know, so again, like money talks and you vote with your dollar. So whether it be real estate or whether you flipping burgers, you know, I didn't been a victim of it myself where, okay, somebody who's spending some money, money with you. All right, now you got to kind of eat that. It, it, we all draw online, but okay, I'm going to eat that one a little bit. Right. But at the same time, the customer's always right. Look, you can have yours back. You can go. Customers, customers can get fired too. Right. I don't, I don't got to accept this. You don't got to accept this. Rashana, look, I'm pretty sure you know certain just impossible clients to deal with, impossible buyers and sellers to deal with. I don't got to, I don't got to deal with that. So yeah, this whole, the customer's are always right thing yeah that to me that's kind of like a you know a baby boomer (laughs) we off that customers can get fired yeah you can have your money back cool so we're gonna bring it to the final four questions first question is who is somebody that you look up to and why who is somebody that i look up to just one person oh oh let's go let's go non-real estate let's go non like jp morgan jp morgan it's dope. Just, just, just the vast scale of just complete, just dominance and just stretching his hands into different things and the absolute passion just put in everything. It's just like J.P. Morgan's high on that list for me. Besides, like Michael Jordan and like Big Bill. What's your favorite business or real estate book? Um. I read favorite. I read yeah, so we can go. We can go common. We can go like rich dad, poor dad, think and grow rich. Oh, um, you know he's not the most popular guy right now, but like the art of the deal. Yeah, I'm trying art of the deal. I read that when I was like 17. Dad, I was, book, art of the deal. It's so funny. I was thinking about how um, I was listening to Vlad. Not, not Vlad. I was listening to Adam Twenty Two because he was criticizing Dame Dash, and him and Dame Dash got into an argument over Kanye West. And they were like, Kanye, we need to know, we need to know why you like Donald Trump, why you support Donald Trump. And I was like, 10 years ago, everybody supported Donald Trump. 
So how come Kanye's getting isolated now for just doing what everybody was doing? Man, that's a whole nother podcast on how people every everybody <laughs> switching sides. But uh yeah, we'll we'll leave that there. <laughs> All right. So next question is what does success mean to you? Uh what does success mean to me or what does it look like? What does it mean to me? Uh, what does it mean? It means everything. My natural mode, we all got different talents in life. My natural mode at all times is forward, sometimes to a fault, but my natural mode at all times is forward, 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 forward. The past, past mistakes, past relationships, past, it just, it almost doesn't even exist to me, right? So forward at all times. What, what does success mean to me? Everything. As soon as I open my eyes, every morning, Rashawn, go. It means everything. <laughs> nice. And um, last question is, um, what do you think sets uh, sets apart um, successful investors from those who give up or never even get started? Um, especially the give up, the give up part, because people not getting started, that's kind of a whole nother category of thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quote the late great Nipsey Hussle, you know, um, and paraphrase, um, just not quitting, just not quitting. That's the only distinguishing quality, you know, for whoever's going through this, was going to go through this or whatever. The only distinguishing quality is not quitting. It ain't perfect. It, none of this is going to be perfect. A lot of days is going to feel like it's not worth it. I think until I did my next one, my biggest wholesaling deal at the time, every day leading up to, I'm sorry, every day leading up to one of my biggest wholesale deals that I did, I wanted to quit every single day, every single day. I kept telling myself, saying out loud, there's way easier shit I could do for $5,000, $7,000, every single day. I said this out loud. I'm on record saying this. Um, so, but not quitting, can't quit. Me, personally, I'm gonna have my moment, I'm gonna complain for a couple of minutes, I'm gonna have a couple of things to say, but my mode is forward at all times. I'm not gonna quit, period. Where can people find out more about you? Go ahead and plug your course, and also where can they follow you and support what else you have going on? Where can they find me? Right now, I have a professional, but not that sexy website, buymyhousejd.com. I'm really active on, on Instagram, and, and Twitter's, Twitter's my new obsession now. I've got a really sexy, embedded video moving links that whole deal website being uh being developed now i'm probably going to change the name um so i'm on facebook jd buys houses twitter jd buys houses um instagram jd buys houses my website help uh i'm sorry uh by my house jd.com um and just here dwelling with my contemporaries <laughs> any last words for the people Roshana? um uh keep going <laughs> for everybody for everybody that's listening um you know it's it's i think it's easy to, for us to generalize um but we we are living in very sensitive times across the country period you know i'm like 2020 is one for the books first covid now riot and it's, it's uh, right yeah absolutely so um, keep going. That's, that's, that's really what I have for everybody. Um, because, uh, yeah, you know, and I hate to sound like cliche, you, you know, we never know what somebody's going through, but at the end of the day, you know, you always just got to come back to why you started, right? Why you started and knowing that, you know, because at first it was like, even as a business owner, when COVID hit, it's like, well, hell, it's an apocalypse coming. And so, you know, some people were so discouraged on even doing business. And it's like, well, listen, and I think, Charles, you and I had a conversation about this um, because we were talking about the vending machines and, um, you know, people still going to work or, or buying vending machines or whatnot. And I remember, Charles, you said you was like, well, listen, you know, I'm going to keep grinding and I'm going to keep hustling until the shit hit the fan. And if it does, then it don't matter because we all dead anyway. So. <laughs> 
And I was like, you're right. You're Stolen. right. So, so literally, I mean, yeah. So that's my word to the people is definitely keep going, you know, in the, in the midst of adversity because we all are faced with it. We all are going to deal with it in one way or another. Um, JD, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story, um, dropping the gems that you share. We definitely appreciate you coming on. So this is episode 147. Charles Ogilvy, also in the top millionaire with Rashana Scott and JD Buys House is signing off.